Hey family, welcome to Midweek Bible Study. Um, I'm so excited. I really believe this is huge for our church. Thank you for tuning in every single week. You know, what are these, how is this different than Sunday? Sunday, is, we're not going through methodically through certain uh, ideas in the Bible. Like this will be a night where we go through the book of Philippians chapter by chapter. Right now, we are in a Bible study going through the parables of Jesus. And there's way more than I thought that there were, but I believe if you read your Bible and you get revelation from these uh, parables, you're gonna really be prepared for what God has for you. That's really my job is to prepare you to lead you, to guide you to Jesus. And there's no better place to look for revelation for who God is than his word. I think times like this, we can get into personal prophecy, which is great. There's a time for that where, meaning we get in time of prayer and God told me this and God told me that. But I have found that there has been nothing that has built up my life specifically to handle hard times than direct divine revelation from the Holy Scriptures. If this is a time where you are hearing from God in prayer, but you're not hearing from God in his word, I can tell you that that actually decreases the accuracy of your prophecy. I'm going to say that again. If you're not getting divine revelation from God's word, but you're getting revelation in prayer, it decreases the accuracy. One amazing prophet said this to me once. He said, a prophecy is a bucket of water that comes from the well of God's word. So we don't praise and worship the bucket, which would be prophecy, the well, the logos, God's word. And so I know that this is something that you're going to have to be disciplined. And I think that's great. The Bible told, says that Jesus told his disciples, go and make disciples, go and make disciplined Christians. I have found in my time of prayer and my time in the word, the one thing that can prevent us from getting all that God has for us is an undisciplined Christian. We need to be disciplined in our study of God's word, disciplined in our life, no guilt or shame, but begin to ask God to show you in what ways can you be more disciplined, specifically in how you hear from God through his word. And so the parables of Jesus are amazing because obviously it's all of what Jesus said personally. And tonight, last week we did the parable of, I forgot. Let's see if anybody here remembers. Oh, the parable of the prodigal son. I didn't preach. That's why I forgot. I'm thinking, what was I? You know, the pastor, like, what did I say? I didn't say nothing. It was the parable, parable of the prodigal son. We had four by sevens. It was amazing. And hopefully you read that passage of scripture for yourself. Tonight, we're going to do the parable of the friend at midnight. Come on. I came with the one probably nobody's. The parable of the friend at midnight. If you haven't heard of this parable, it's because Luke is the only one who tells it. It comes right after he, uh, the disciples come and ask Jesus, teach me how to pray. And Jesus says, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Many of us know that. Luke is the only one who writes an account of Jesus continuing that conversation. Every other gospel only tells that part. Luke decides to go even further. Many Bible scholars believe that Luke, because he was a physician, he was just more detailed. If you read the book of Luke, it's long. Mark, he was short to the point. And Jesus got out of the boat, healed everybody, went home. Luke gives detailed information. So he says, hey, there was something else that Jesus said after the disciples asked Jesus how they should pray. And it was the parable of the friend at midnight. We're going to read Luke 11 verses 5 through 13, and then we're going to unpack it line by line and see what God says to us. Jesus says in verse 5, see right there, then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. 
Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. That's a lot of bread, man, carbs. I've been working out. <laughs> See how I slipped that in? I'm telling you, I told y'all, every if y'all gonna have me out here huffing, puffing, and sweating, I'm gonna find a way to slip in that I've been working out. Three loaves of bread is a lot of carbs. It says, you say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. A friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed. This dude is shady and he's not generous. No wonder he has a small house because the dude is knocking on his door and he can just talk to him from the bedroom. That's why you got a small house because you don't even want to get out of bed and help your boy with some bread. He says, my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep locking, knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. Think about that as an attribute, shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Somebody put how much more in the chat. How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. I want to do this Bible study around this thought, asking for a friend, asking for a friend. This was Jesus' attempt to teach more about prayer. And I think so many times when we talk about prayer, we bring up Matthew 6, where Jesus teaches them and says, hey, I've been to so many places where we talk about prayer and, and, and we hear, pray this way. Our, you know, our kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But Luke tells us that he compares a, a prayer life to someone asking for something from a friend at an inconvenient time. I'm going to say that again. We break it down and we unpack prayer like, yeah, yes, our father who are in heaven, hallowed be thy name, God, you are holy. Your kingdom come, your, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we forget that Luke suggests, hey, let me tell you what else prayer is like. Yes, it is like all the things that, that I said, but it is also like a friend who has lack knocking on a friend's door who has abundance at an inopportune time, an inconvenient time. So let me tell you about a prayer life. He's saying you can go to God at what you deem to be the wrong time, simply because you have lack and God, I'm telling you, he's saying you can approach God at any time. If you look at verse five, it says, then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight. Do you know there has never been, I'm 43 years old, and I consider myself a, a, a person who has deep friendships and relationships, and I have never had anyone knock on my door at midnight for anything, ever. Not once. In 43 years, I have never had 
anyone knock on my door at midnight. There are people in my life, in this room, I would do anything for. They could knock on my door at midnight and I would give them whatever they needed if they knocked on my door and needed something at midnight. But yet I am 43 years old and I have never had anyone knock on my door at midnight. And I'm starting to realize from this passage of scripture, that's not because none of my friends needed anything, didn't need anything at midnight. They don't consider midnight to be a convenient enough time to ask me for anything. They've decided in their mind that there is a time frame that we should be making requests and there's a time frame that we shouldn't make requests. You, 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 you do your friends a favor. Sometimes I know you're busy with everything going on in the church and you start to judge whether it's the right time or whether your need is enough to approach your friends. And so we only approach friendships in desperation and then we feel like no one is there for us because they cannot meet our desperate need. When we would have asked earlier, maybe even at midnight, they could have met the need back then and we wouldn't have never been in a desperate place in the, you get what I'm saying? Like we wait until we're desperate to ask for anything. I get a call from some people that I love right now. Somebody called me the other day and I pick right up because they never called me. And I knew that if whatever, if you're calling me at 1030, you're dying. Like, you know, those people in your life, not your auntie who calls you. Oh, I didn't know what time it was. You knew what time it was waking me up. So suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. And you say to that same friend, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. This is why I kind of frame this thought around asking for a friend because you notice he doesn't say, I don't have enough to eat. He said, I don't have nothing. So why are you just now asking this friend at midnight because a friend showed up and found out what you didn't have and and now you want to ask your friend Is it because you were hungry? I don't think this scripture suggests that that was because he had nothing. He didn't ask for himself. He asked when the friend showed up. I want to submit this thought to you. Do we ask God for things so that people cannot know that we don't have that thing? Sure. Do we ask God for provision so like when we date the girl or or the person we date will never find out we're broke? or that we're in debt, or that we don't have enough money? Do we ask God for provision so other people, because other people are coming into our lives, and the closer they get, we don't want them to see our lack, and so we begin to ask for a friend. God, if you give me this, I can go help this person. Knowing you're the one in need, knowing you're the one who doesn't have any bread, Knowing you're the one, don't we do that? We treat God like he doesn't want to give us stuff. Lord, if you give me a car, I will serve your people with it. I'll take everybody to LAX. What if God just wants you to stop catching the bus as a dad? Lord, if you give me a house, 
every connect group season for 30 years, I'll participate. If you just bless me with a house in LA, I'm telling you, freedom, Lord, I will get myself back in bondage just to lead people to freedom. Whatever you need me to do, if you would just bless me with a house, I promise I'll pay you back. He didn't have any bread and he wanted a loan on bread. What friend would ask another friend for a loan for some bread? So not only were you not willing to ask for yourself, you don't want a gift. You know how many times I try to offer people to buy them a coffee and it's like I'm trying to kill, kill somebody? No. Hey, I got you. No. Do you hear me? No. 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 I said no, all right? Don't bless me. No. And that's our culture. See, if you look at this parable, Jesus is talking about prayer. Not friendship, not bread, prayer. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. This is why it's important. In Deuteronomy 28, 12, the Bible says if you are obedient, you will never have to borrow. You will be the lender. So I think, according to other scriptures, that this is a testament of how disobedient people pray. They go, Lord, you know, my search history during the pandemic is a little sketchy. Can we just keep it real? I haven't been doing everything. I haven't been in my word. I haven't been doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I know I said, so Let me take what you want to give me as a gift and turn it into debt to make me feel. You know why? Because our culture makes us comfortable with debt. We're so comfortable with debt. Most of Americans in debt. So that's the way it works, right? I can't. I got to pay you back, God. Most of you are not serving God. You're paying off debt. I can hear it in the language. God has done so much for me. The least I could do. God's like, no, 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 no. You're not paying off debt. There's no interest rate. I'm the king of kings and the Lord of lords, not a loan shark. I'm not asking you to give me back more than what I give you. The Bible says the gifts of God are irrevocable. It's a gift. You, you, last Christmas, can you imagine giving somebody a gift and they like unwrap it? And then they drive to your house and mop all your floors and do that. I'm working for that. <laughs> Woo, that was a PlayStation 5. I'm like, I got to work that off. That's what we do with God. Yeah. We don't believe in gifts. We don't believe in favor. Yeah. Right? We, 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 that's our language. We're not good enough. And then we, we write unscriptural memes. You're, you're enough. No, you're not. How are you enough for a gift? If we're giving gifts properly, we're giving gifts that transcend someone's capacity to be able to even earn it. He's like, I'm poor. I don't have any bread. And can you loan me something? And you say to him, because I'm asking for a friend, not me, I'm good. But a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I don't have anything. It doesn't say the friend was hungry. It just says, I don't have anything to set before him. 
And then suppose that friend calls out from his bedroom talking about, don't bother me, the door is locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. I can't help you. No, it's I won't. I won't. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for your friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. Now comes the most dangerous interpretation of this verse because the next line says, and so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. So if we read this slowly and quickly, we think, okay, got it. So praying to God is kind of like a friend who, uh, you know, I need something at midnight and, and they want to loan me three loaves of bread. So I got to be bold and go to them at midnight. So that's what I got to do. I got to be able to go to God. And no, 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 he's not saying when he would say parables before, he would say the kingdom of God is like. He would compare it to that. He didn't say prayer is like going to a friend's house. So we got to be careful that we don't think that this beginning passage is how you do it. He's giving us an example of how it doesn't work. Watch this. If, if, if he's speaking in cultural context because that person would have known there would have been no street lights. Nobody went out after that. Matter of fact, the Bible, uh, not the Bible, but I read in a, in a scientific article that prior to the invention of electricity, all of humanity averaged about 11 and a half hours of sleep a night. Wow. And it was the artificial light that made people work beyond the natural boundaries that God had set up. That they had invented light to keep going. These people would have settled down for the night somewhere around 7 to 7.30 every night. Everyone retired. This man would have been asleep for hours. But it says, suppose you went to a friend's house. So he's speaking in a cultural context that would have already given them revelation that something was about to be different. Something needed to change. He wasn't saying this is how it works. He was saying with God, it doesn't work that way. Can you imagine right now if Jesus was here today, he might start off a parable this way and you would already know you're in trouble. Suppose a conservative Republican had dinner with an extreme liberal. You'd be like, oh, shoot, it's going down. Because you would know that that wouldn't happen in our cultural context. Does that make sense? Suppose the, these two groups of people who have opposing views, suppose they moved in together and did life. You would know that Jesus was teaching a letter, a, a lesson through the cultural context. So, so watch this. Verse nine says, and so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. Verse 10, for everyone. Okay, so he starts the parable and he says, suppose you have a friend who goes to another friend at midnight, no bread in his home, and that friend won't even open up the door 
for his other friend unless the friend begs. That's not the way that God works. I want you to lock in on verse number 10. For everyone, repeat after me, everyone. So the purpose of this teaching about prayer is God is saying what you would have to beg your friend for at midnight over and over and over again, I am willing to do for everyone. It's not comparison like this is how it works. He's saying, you know that thing that you would never ask your friend for? Because suppose you had a friend. He didn't say, remember that one time? You know that thing? I told you, I am 43 years of age and I've never had a friend ask me for anything at midnight. And you know why? Because they don't have the boldness to come to me because they know it, it is an inconvenient time. Jesus is saying through this parable, that thing, Julian, that you have not experienced in 43 years because no one wants to wake you up in your family, that thing that you know you would do for your friend, I would do that for everyone. So the difference between humans and God the Father is what humans struggle to do for their very best friends, God the Father does for everyone. Everyone who asks. So this means, then how is the Christian church dealing with so much lack if God promises you to ask, seek, and knock, and you will get it, you will find it, and it'll be open. Christians must not be asking, they must not be seeking, and they must not be knocking. It's not that God's not opening up the door. Nobody's knocking. Nobody's knocking. And I feel like in our prayer life, we're that person that tries, when we're not obedient, we try to make a rustle in the bushes and hope God hears us. Right? Just. <laughs> like God's not in bed in heaven. Like, what was that? <laughs> like, like we're, we're not bold. God doesn't have ring. He doesn't know you're at the door. He's not getting an alert on his iPhone that you're in need. He's activated by asking. Do you understand? He doesn't, he doesn't take a hint. You know how many times people, he doesn't say hint to God. It doesn't say just be in trouble. It says ask. And God wants you to be humble and ask him. You know, we say stuff all the time. Hey, you know, I got this thing going on. If you feel, we say this all the time. If you feel led to help. If you feel led to give, if you feel led, I don't tell people you feel led. Hey, man, I need y'all to give, man. These kids need some help. We ask. I need to ask. I'm not ashamed to ask. And he says that the friend opened up the door because of the other friend's shameless audacity and persistence. What would you ask God for in this season that would be shameless audacity to ask God for that thing. 
Do we not ask God for, for the shameless thing because there's a spirit of rejection in the church and we'd rather not ask just in case God says no? That's the primary reason that not everybody in the church is going on date. People don't ask people because if, if they got a, a guaranteed yes, like not a no, I can't get a no. If I have anything, if you tell me no, I, we can't deal with no. And so we, we, we only ask God for things that we know he would say yes to or we're sure. He says, I tell you, keep on asking. You know that, verse, that word ask means to ask for yourself, to ask for yourself. You know, Jesus said the whole law was fulfilled with love God, with all your heart, soul, and your mind, love people, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And I am finding that people struggle loving people because they don't love themselves. Like, what's the last time you asked for something for yourself? No, you know what we do? We try to, we just try to earn it and hope someone notices that we've earned this. Hope that heaven notices how much we're doing. Like, hopefully God sees how much I'm serving him. And he does see it. But sometimes he just wants you to ask. We transition from two types of people, from a friend to a friend and anyone to God. Think about that. Friend to a friend, anyone to God. And then we move to verse 11 where it says, you fathers, if your children ask you for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? What a wonderful parable about prayer. Because he says, keep on asking and you will receive. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And everyone who knocks the door will be open. And then God is amazing enough to give the revelation of, to Luke what we should be asking for. The Holy Spirit. I, I think when I ask for stuff, Let me just say this. When I ask for stuff, it's from God. Typically, it's not the Holy Spirit. If you put both of these two things together, remember what was the first part of the passage? A man who needs some bread and a father who's giving good gifts. So he says, hey, I want you to go and ask. It's like somebody who asked somebody for a loaf of bread. But at the end, he says, how much more Will the Father give the Holy Spirit? So maybe in our midnight seasons of lack, what we should be asking for is the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, will you come? Will you help me? Because oftentimes we ask God for things that'll help us get out of it. But when you ask for the Holy Spirit to help you get through it, this is not a get out of season. You know what? I, I, I mean, I get it, coronavirus, but we, there's all these posts. If we just did this, we'd be out of it. I, I don't know, man. I'm not putting my trust 
on 400 million people getting on the same page. If we would just like, it's easy. 400, I mean, 400 million people would just get on the same page. We'd be done with this thing. How can 400 million people get on the same page and be done with something? Why don't we just say, if we just had a move of the Holy Spirit, we'd be done with this thing. Even Christians have better ideas to get rid of the coronavirus than the Holy Spirit. Better ideas of church than getting rid of the Holy Spirit. This is why when in church we say, you got to ask, have you asked for the Holy Spirit? Have you asked for the Holy Spirit? Have you asked for the, I'm, have you asked for the Holy Spirit? Have you asked for the Holy Spirit? Wouldn't this be the most important thing we can knock on anybody's door for? Is the Holy Spirit? Isn't that the most important gift? This gift is so important. Jesus deemed it necessary to not start a church until the Holy Spirit came on people. And now we launch churches with budgets, growth track, and buildings. Oh, I just need a building. All the schools are closed. I need a building. Oh, I just need this. I need more money. No, you need the Holy Spirit. Because everything you are asking for is within the realm of the Spirit. That's If we can walk by the Spirit, we will be led to what we are asking for. Here's the thing I will tell you. King David in, in Psalm 51, worst sin, had a man murdered to cover up that he had gotten his wife pregnant. King David was living in a palace. King David had all of God's favor. King David would have had a bunch of wealth. King David had unified Israel and the tribe of Ju and, and Judah. He was, and he asked God for one thing in his prayer time after his worst failure. He said, whatever you do, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. And I think because we don't ask God for the Holy Spirit and we ask for loaves of bread and eggs and fish, we don't realize what we need is the Holy Spirit. Then in our prayer life, we ask God for things that we really don't need. We need the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I'm reminded of Samson laying on Delilah's lap. He was laying on Delilah's lap. This true story, this happened. Laying on Delilah's lap. His strength was in the anointing that was in his hair. He told Delilah that. Delilah gave him a fade. True story. Delilah gives him a fade. He's like, I wish I could lay down on something. He was laying down, chilling in the, chilling in, you know, Delilah must have been fine. Like, because he was chilling. Head in her lap. She gave him a fade. <laughs> He's chilling like, girl. Thank you, man. Right here in the back, you missed a spot, girl. Edge me up. Give me a lineup real quick. He's getting a lineup. You know, I think he was a brother. Getting a lineup. Bible says Philistines came in the room. And Samson was like, and got his eyes gouged out. He did not know that the spirit had departed from him. In the gap between when he got up and went to the Philistines because he wasn't asking for the spirit, he wanted Delilah. Wow. 
So because he had Delilah, he didn't realize what he didn't have. And went and got his eyes gouged out. Now, had he known he lost the Holy Spirit's power to do that, he wouldn't have tried to fight the Philistines. And you got to read, I don't have time to get into it, but at the end of Samson's story, they've gouged this man's eyes out. He is tied to these pillars, pillars, and he asks God one more time for the Spirit's power to defeat his enemy. And the Bible says he pulled down the whole thing, killed all the Philistines and himself. Because once again, he didn't want Delilah. He wanted the Spirit. I think that many of us, myself included, are not walking in the Spirit's power because in our prayer life, we're asking for Delilah. I'm, listen, I got to figure out how to make this encouraging at the end. <laughs> and Delilah represents your desires. It represents what you'd be willing to give up that God has given you to get that. And, and this verse basically says, Hey, if you had more of the Holy Spirit, if you had more of the Holy Spirit, which more of the Holy Spirit is just less of you, then I could give you something that you keep trying to borrow from the world. So not only does asking of your friend in the parable of friend at midnight when you approach God and ask for the right thing, it changes what's temporary and makes it permanent. Notice in the story of the friend, it was alone. In verse nine, it says, ask and it'll be given. Not loaned, given, given. And I really want to encourage somebody to pray this crazy, audacious prayer that I want to be a set-apart container filled with God's Spirit. I mean, the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God, and in the New Testament church, the Holy Spirit represents the presence of God. God wouldn't even let King David's best friend touched the Ark of the Covenant in a wrong way. Can you imagine if we are filled with the Holy Spirit, containers of God's presence? I think God's like, oh, you can't touch. Don't. The Bible says, don't lay a hand on my anointed one. Not my one with a dream or goal, my anointed one. Don't you lay a hand on my anointed one. So he now says, hey, the worst person, you know, we always say throw hands. You don't want to put your hands on somebody who's anointed. You don't want to hate or be jealous of somebody who's anointed. You don't want to mess with someone who all they want is God because God is getting ready to give everything to somebody who wants nothing but him. That's what he's getting ready to do. And so I want you to keep asking for a move of God's spirit in your life and in your family. Church, we need the Holy Spirit. And I really feel that this parable of the friend of midnight represents that in need, at an inconvenient time, when you have an urgent request and a close relationship, 
most of what you need in life would be filled with a fresh indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So that's why I want to pray for you right now. Father in heaven, I thank you for sending Jesus. And God, your word says that what this friend in this scripture was willing to do for a friend who begged, you would do for everyone as a father does for children. And how much more do you know how to give good gifts? gifts? So how much more will you give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? I pray that everybody would have a heart to ask God for the Holy Spirit. A feeling of the Holy Spirit that would result in praying in a heavenly language, praying in tongues, that would result in the fruit of the Spirit, your Christ-like character that would result in, in patience and goodness and, and peace and love and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, uh, indwelling with the Holy Spirit that would raise up the gift of prophecy in our church and the gift of pastoring in our church and the gift of healing and signs and wonders. I pray that we would ask for the Holy Spirit so much that this church would become a place where people who have cancer come to have their tumors just prayed away by the power of the Holy Spirit, that this would be a place where demons would jump out of people, that instead of counseling, we would cast out what we've been trying to counsel out and have coffees to talk to someone who is literally being affected by a demonic spirit of oppression. God, I pray that we would continue to have a faith that signs and wonders would follow. And this indwelling of the Holy Spirit would be more important to us than attendance, would be more important to us than feeling valued, more important to us than feeling useful, more important to us than having clarity about what our role is, more important to us than than who we're going to end up with, more important to us than anything. A Holy Spirit that convicts and heals and set free and delivers. And we thank you, God, that your word says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There's freedom available for all who ask for the Holy Spirit. So even right now, Father, would you fill me fresh with your Holy Spirit? It's a Holy Spirit. So it's a spirit that wants to make us holy. So, Lord, I, I pray for that right now, that holiness and righteousness would sweep through our church as people ask for it, not as church leaders demand it so they can have a leadership position, but because people are asking, make me holy by the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right. All right. Good job, everybody. You're amazing. Next week, we are having, I don't know what parable I'm doing next week. Oh, no, Elise is doing a parable. Elise Murphy's doing a parable. It's going to be great. And then I'm back the week after that. I'm telling you, read your Bible. Man, God's going to continue to speak to, to us. I'm so proud of you. I know it's been a really tough season, but I really feel that we're, we're going to get ready. And I want to challenge everybody out there. You know, I know I make jokes about it, but, but this is the time to address every issue in your life. For me, my issue was, was eating and, and fitness. And so I don't want to come back in a harvest season working and healing from what the drought did to me. I want to be ready for the, when the harvest hits, we've been prophesying, talking about rain. I don't want you to have to use the season where you could be collecting the harvest to heal from what the drought did to you. We got to go into this strong. 2021, we got to be strong. And I know that's difficult, but address every area. If it's unforgiveness, if it's health, if it's, I, I, I'm, I, I don't want to, if it's family, 
It, whatever it is, if it's your marriage, get the help that you need. Reach out to somebody. If it's friendships, whatever it needs, address those issues in your life so we don't have to spend a harvest season, uh, turn a harvest season into a healing season because that's how the enemy keeps us in a cycle. He makes a season that's supposed to be harvest a healing one and, and one that is um, uh, that keeps you out of the will of God for your life. So keep the fight, pray, ask God for the Holy Spirit to help you and we'll see you on Sunday service. Love you so much.